everyone, and welcome to the interview episode of Seen It All. Damn, Sarah, it's been a while since I've been able to say that. You've never said that. No, I mean, not specifically the interview one, but just the oh, okay. intro to our show again. It's been a while. Feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. Today, we are going to be sitting down with American Standards. I have a question. <laughs> Did you name it after toilets? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to my friend, and she said that when she was in China, they use American Standards toilets. A lot of people. So. <laughs> it's actually American Standard. Yeah. So just in case they're listening, we don't want you know yeah, we don't want any problems. You got you got approached. You got handed a piece of toilet paper saying, "Hey, legality, don't do this." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Awesome. They're from Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yes, I'm sir. Correct. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I fucking hate Arizona. It's too hot for me. It's so hot. It's so it's hot. miserable. I cry. I, like, get all bitchy when it's 90 degrees. And I've watched videos of, like, people frying eggs on your driveways. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> You've done that? Yeah, yeah. You can just crack. In the middle of the summer, you can crack an egg on the sidewalk and cook it. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's insane. In the middle of summer, you can do that here, but it just rots for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> the rain. I just baked cookies in my car before. You baked cookies in your car? I got. Mo- Granted, he had an easy bake oven, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> do they still make those? Yes, that's oh, a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, at the uh, we went to a thrift shop before this, and they had it wasn't an easy bake oven, but it was like a, a version of it for boys, where you cook bugs because. <laughs> Apparently, it's as a boy, you have to be able to cook bugs. You can't just cook cupcakes or something. Oh, of course. I remember those? They were they would show them before I watched an episode of Guts on Nickelodeon yeah. back in oh, the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, epic. So was it like were they gummy bugs? I assume like that weird powder that you like sprinkled in and it like grew into bugs. Since it was at like a Goodwill, I'm assuming none of the powder or anything <laughs> came with it. So yeah. you're gonna have a hell of a time actually making anything with it. But um, you should not. By eat- the way, I apologize for all the taco breath, but I do appreciate the tacos that you uh, fed us earlier. <laughs> Sarah's a mean do cook. Make good she tacos. Can cook up some good stuff. It's delicious. See proof. It's He's much. He's not dead yet. It's <laughs> much better. My breakfast consisted of some. You know the um the. What's it, the cereal with the, um, oh, fuck, I'm totally spacing on the name. <laughs> I was just going to say Raisin Bran. <laughs> cinnamon Toast Crunch. It was Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Ooh. but they make it in some weird, like, you can get, like, these bricks of it where it's almost like shredded wheat, but it's in Cinnamon Toast Crunch form. Hmm. Life cereal? I'm interested. It was, it's okay. It's not life as good was kind of like that, and it was toast, filled with, like, that cinnamon powder stuff. <laughs> yeah, when you drink the milk and it's like a thick syrup of, like, sparkles. Mm. Mm. <laughs> We're k- kicking off the show just like any other show. Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we never stay on track. <laughs> no. Let's go. Let's get a little more of this intro down. So, you guys from Phoenix, and you've released a couple albums. It's pretty neat. Correct. Yeah. Super good job. neat. Um, <laughs> just take the mic so I can say things that don't add to the conversation. <laughs> That's all I do, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's, before we get into the albums and really get into the bulk of it, since we're talking about kind of where you're from, how was the scene in Phoenix when you kind of started? And what made you kind of want to get into it? Yeah, uh, when I first started playing, I think the first time I saw a local band was probably 2000, 
one or two. And I remember, I'm not going to say the band's name, but the band wasn't a great band, but they put on a hell of a performance. And there's two things that actually stuck out about it. One, the singer was up in everybody's face, and he didn't have a good singing voice by any means. But every <laughs> single person felt like they were like very personal to that uh, to that type of uh, or to the environment. Like they just felt like they're part of this show. Was his name Adam Lazara? No. no. <laughs> so was it Taking Back Sunday? Um, so so that, that there's that like there's like wow you don't even have to have a great voice or a great musical talent you can still you know get out there and have a hell of a time and put on a really good show and the second thing was after a 30 minute set he still smelled fantastic for some reason <laughs> and those two things have stuck out to me and made me want to play music you're like I can do this and smell okay what holy there you shit go. what about you Corey um, I guess it's just different for everybody uh, this uh, American Sanders is actually my first band ever, so it I've started. Geez, what was it? Six years now. 2011. 2011. We started. Wow. So, uh, I guess ultimately it was I got out of a relationship and I was kind of just one day said I I want to join a band and then <laughs> <laughs> I I found one. <laughs> I want to band, mother. I want to um, band. So I I hit um, I hit up our late guitarist Cody and we were going back and forth and he was like we're looking for a bass player I'm like totally play bass I, I am a bass player for sure and I didn't own any equipment <laughs> so so they're like oh let's just, they're like oh, we're gonna jam on Tuesday we'll say and and so I'm like cool I'll be there and I'll have all my stuff so I that day on the day that we were gonna jam I drove down to like Guitar Center and like I bought all this used gear and it was like $300 in total and I went <laughs> and I jammed with them and then <laughs> and then the funny thing was that same time they went to go do pictures like do some photos and they took me with them and they did half of it with me and half of it without me <laughs> just in case know, they didn't work, work out, so we didn't want to waste we had to maximize that time that's right but future proof the great thing about being in a hardcore band and playing in a small hot room is you can't hear the bass anyway, so we just like, <laughs> all right, he's moving around, he's probably playing the right stuff. Yeah, as someone who started off on bass, for basically the same reason, like my buddies were in a band, like, hey, you want to play? I'm like, yes, I need a bass player. I'm like, I don't know how to play guitar. I could probably play bass. Same thing, bass. like, at some point, my bass would, you know, like, even came unplugged during a show, and it's like, fuck it, it's fine. I'm still dancing around, they won't hear me anyways. So bass Speaking is a good as a way photographer... That had to be like the most awkward thing. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine doing promos and being like, "Oh wait, I'm not doing all these with you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Can you just go hang out in that corner for like 45 minutes? Not only do we still have those photos, like it's the same shot, just one shot with him, one shot without him, then a different <laughs> location, one shot with him, one shot without him. The reason we did that is because we were going to be in the the local newspaper. And we're like, all right, well, we don't know if he's going to play this show or not, so we've got to have a set of both. <laughs> What's funny about, I was going to say about playing bass, too, is, like, before before I joined American Standards, I was friends with the guys because we played shows together in, in, with my old band, and I was actually in a band with Brandon for, like, a week <laughs> prior to that <laughs> where he played bass and I was singing, but I remember Brandon came into my, my work one day to hand out flyers and was like, oh, yeah, Corey's playing guitar. We need a bass player. And I was like, I could do that. So very similar to Corey being like, I could play bass. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I could do that. He's like, oh, but I thought you only sang. I was like, no, I, I own a bass. <laughs> and I had to go to my storage unit and like dust it off. And like I just figured it out. Like I learned like two, three songs by ear. 
And I was like, am I playing these right? And they're like, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally the next day, they were like, okay, here's your private jet. You're in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks, guys. It worked out well. So you travel by jet everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> well, did you not see the jet store? parked outside of your place, Sarah? I don't know how you didn't yeah. hear it pull up. I, it's a very quiet jet. It's very quiet. Thank you, Elon Musk. I, I got to say, that is kind of neat about the scene is that the ability of people to step in and play instruments that, you know, they might not necessarily know really at all. But, it, you know, you're like, yeah, I can sing. Yeah, I've played guitar before. I could beat on some stuff. Like, seems like in the scene that's pretty prevalent of people switching roles whenever you need to. And it makes it fun. Yeah, and know? I think, it, like, it's cool. It's a cool thing that you, you can, like, you can create something and not have to be the most talented or the best you know, looking or the most money or whatever it is, you you can just go out there and do it and like make all these life experiences. I mean, some of the my best friends are directly from you know being in band, playing shows and things like that. So the people I hang out with on a daily basis, um, you know, my job I kind of owe to that. My girlfriend and everything else is all through through music, and I have very very little talent, but I've been doing it for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're saying when you saw that that band who shall remain nameless and you just saw essentially like the intensity and the passion that you can bring to the stage it's like as long as you bring that really it doesn't matter so much that you're not you know a guitar virtuoso you just show up with passion and you can make it happen a piece of me hoping hope a piece of me hopes that this guy uh this front man is listening to this podcast and he's like wait i smell really good after shows it's probably me (laughs) that's my trademark is smelling delicious after shows i know who this is (laughs) um well that's awesome that's that's cool i like hearing hearing about you know kind of sure i can play that jumping in and then you guys end up making awesome music together and touring which it sounds like you guys have toured an insane amount it's like i always hear it just it sounds like you're always touring and so that's awesome that you can you know jump into that role and be comfortable with your bandmates as well as you know your music and just not want to kill each other five stops into the road I mean, we never said we didn't want to do that, but <laughs> well, like they come and go. Those stops come and yeah. go, but <laughs> that's why the lineup changes so much. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> we actually just recorded our first uh, our first song in seven years that was done on a the same like the same lineup as the prior album. Uh, so in seven years, we've never recorded two consecutive albums that had all the exact same members. So it's kind until of now. interesting. Oh, yeah, until cool. Now. Yeah, I was kind of looking at at. You know, kind of bounce some people around, and then um, you know, kind of was it? Didn't Corey? Didn't you go from bass originally, then to the guitar? Yes, sir. I yeah, did. and so it's kind of bounced around, but that's cool. That's exciting that you guys are starting to lay down tracks of of the the crew that you've had. You're now starting to make stuff again. That's awesome. How how did it go? How did the recording go? So good. It's so it's our, it's the best thing we've ever done for sure, like without a doubt. We we went to a buddy named Hiram Hernandez in Phoenix, and I think he really knew what we wanted to get out of the whole thing, and uh, which was super important because um, what we've done before is we've gone to great studios and everything, but um, maybe the person who was helping us didn't have the right idea for what we wanted. But I think we all were on the same page with this, and uh, the final product is is amazing. I'm I'm super super stoked on it. Oh, uh, that's awesome. That's. That's super good to hear. What's is there a timeline for more stuff coming out, or, or what kind of what's how's that working out? So we shot a video for this new song. Um, actually, my sister goes to the University of Arizona Film School, and she had to do a music video for a school project. And she hit us up. She she hit me up and says, "Hey, do you know any bands in Phoenix that would want to do a free music video?" 
and I was like, uh, I got a, I got a couple ideas. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so we, yeah, so we did a video. The song's called Weep. Um, so it, she's, she just turned in like a, a first draft for it in school. So we're hopefully going to get something released here soon. But um, yeah, the timeline is, is as soon as possible, basically. Awesome. Because you guys, you just released, uh, your last album was uh, last year, right? Like 2017? Yes, yeah, like August of last year. Yeah, so um, is this the one that you just shot the video for? Is that just kind of going to be a standalone, or is it? are you guys already working on another album, or maybe like a little EP or something? I think if if I'm reading everybody's head, I think we're trying to do just a, an EP. Uh, we're trying to at least get, personally, four or five songs written. Um, probably this new song will probably just let it out kind of on its own and, and see how it does, and then just record a few more songs and put those out all together. Cool. Yeah, because I think the, the, the standard way of, of releasing that people do is, you know, every year every year to a full album comes out, they tour that cycle, you know, that's, I feel like with the way technology has moved and the way people, you know, ingest music, basically, maybe that's not the most efficient way anymore. So I think it's nice, you know, you see a lot of bands who will do just a single after single after single, or they'll do a couple singles in an EP, things like that. So I know um, Code Orange, the hardcore band, just started talking about how they want to do that, where they're just going to release a song. They did, they just released a song and, and like a remix of that song. And I think that's interesting. You know, there's a lot of bands kind of trying to break the mold on how, how music is released. And yeah. I think we we're going to try to do something like that as well. Yeah, it just seems like it's a bummer when you go into a studio and you spend, you know, sometimes six months to a year and a ton of money uh, on an album and only two songs really get kind of attention or focus. And I, I think people, just like Mitch said, when they're listening to Spotify on Shuffle, they don't even realize what's part of the same album. So I think we want to release some stuff that's more consistent um, to keep on, you know, everybody's minds. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's... Uh, interesting point because that, that's definitely seems like the evolution of music now is you know not even single served because obviously the fully cohesive album is still the best way to deliver it but you are seeing more and more bands deliver you know like was it like my chemical romance there didn't they their last album was like they released like eight or ten singles just one after another yeah right? yeah because yeah, exactly. that was the album you didn't know existed <laughs> exactly because i was looking for the full <laughs> album and then it's like one yeah. single popped up and um well, but yeah well so we had you and I had talked about too, like so many people like listen to Spotify on shuffle. And so there's those albums where there's so much <coughs> thought that goes into what song is going to be uh, preceded by what song. And you really should listen to it in order. And then there's other albums that you just throw on and it's shuffle. And I feel like with Spotify and with technology and everything going with how it is, it's kind of getting lost. And that's one of my favorite things about some albums is right. the order of the songs. So it's like, how do you, which way do you want to go as an artist? How do you want to handle that is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting kind of turning point in music that's been happening the last couple of years. And so it's good to see you guys like acknowledging that and kind of, you know, doing your own thing within that vibe, you know, staying yeah. relevant and, you know, getting out to as many people as possible, but also staying true to what you want to do as artists, not being like, shit, all right, let's slam a, you know, a full length together. It doesn't matter if it's good or not, because we got to stay relevant. Like, it's always unfortunate yeah. when that happens. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because you think of like when we used to, you know, wait in line or, or go to a, a record shop to buy a CD, 
and, and you get that CD and you you open it up and you look at the artwork and you look at the bands that they've thinked in their booklet and then you put on the CD and you listen to it so much like in the order that they intended it to be that when you hear that song come on a jukebox or you hear someone play that song and then the song ends you almost know exactly what the next song's supposed to be but I, I feel like we're losing a lot of that because as you listen on shuffle and things like that you just don't have that okay this is the next song that's supposed to be the next track on the album mm-hmm I'm mm-hmm. usually the one that's in the bar still singing the next song after yeah, the yeah. other one Same. is like halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Sarah. Let the song play. Um, cool. Well, actually, that uh, I got a couple questions here, and that actually that was a nice little uh, segue, guys, because I crossed off a few of these. Because I was going to ask, like, kind of like the creative process, not even so much of just like you guys saying you went and you recorded a single, but like, I guess kind of going down that vein, how do you go about creating a song? Because I know, you know, every band's got their, and you can't, you know, it's not one cookie cutter, this is how we do it, blah, 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 blah. But um, how have you guys been approaching writing new songs? Is it like someone's like, check out the sick riff, or is it like, you know, lyrics come before it? Or Because or, I know lyrically, you guys are on point, love it. Um, but where does the creative process come in, like, for most songs? Yeah, I think uh, primarily for most of them, I I personally write the like a good portion of a song musically on guitar, and then I'll I'll bring it to the to the dudes and we'll kind of jam on it and play around with it, change some things and add to it. Um, and I would say we'd probably do that a few times with a, with a song, just to make sure that we can do as much as we can to it to make it interesting or and appealing, and then from there we then go and record and I say probably during recording we can do even more uh, experimental stuff as far as like tones and sounds and stuff like that and if we want to modify it or change certain areas of a song um, and I think primarily and I don't want to step on his toes but then Brandon he kind of just has like a laundry list of just lyrics that he writes and belts out and then he kind of just modifies those to fit certain mel- patterns and stuff like that yeah, I think Corey always, Corey's great at writing like three-fourths of a song. He comes in with a bunch of riffs, and then we kind of, when we listen to it, we say, this is a riff that should probably be repeated, or we should, um, you know, shorten this or lengthen this. And then uh, and then just like Corey said, I, I'm constantly, I've got a word pad on my phone that I'm constantly throwing lines on. So once we have a good chunk of the song, then I just think of what lyrics actually fit to what song and how can I make this more of a cohesive story. But I think with this new song that's coming out, it's actually kind of interesting with Weep because it's the first first time that uh, Corey actually took a huge part in not only the songwriting, but also the lyrics. Um, so it, it's, um, although Corey's done a lot of the backing vocals before, this is the first time that I think Corey's wrote a lot of the lyrics for the actual song itself. And it, it kind of makes it something new and unique for us. Oh, cool. Cool. It's always, that's, that's rad. A bit of a new direction. Um, cool. That's really awesome. I like that process being in the band as long as I have like no offense to anyone who's previously our drummer or anything of that nature but I feel like this current lineup coincidentally is like the best like Corey comes in with a riff and then Mitch knows how to do this and Brandon does that and I do this and it's just we bounce off each other it's like 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 we said with Weep especially like it's probably one of the best things we've done since the creation of the band almost like we all just kind of know each other's vibe and can really get off like know what we are thinking how so how long have you guys as this core group been playing together uh cory and i have been playing for seven years but um as this group but 
I think now that Mitch is two and a half years in, two years in, two and a half. Yeah, so so about at least two years for this um, this kind of lineup. Sweet. I gotta say, it's also, all right. Quick side note, or actually not a quick side note, but very to the point. But that new album, uh, Anti Melody, fuck that thing rips. Holy crap. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, super good. I was just <laughs> it was like the most gentle. Through. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I was just burning through the tracks and like, Jesus, it's all over. Like, it's great. It's it's heavy. It rips. It's just the sound of it. Man, great job on the on the most recent one. So I really look forward to hearing the song you just recorded because it sounds like you guys are even more stoked about this coming song. And even though this last album was poof, awesome. Well, just think if you uh, weren't so miserable in the heat of Hawaii, you could go see them tonight. But uh, I guess you won't. Actually, <laughs> bom, bom, bom. Um, I happen to be, you guys, are you guys playing a show in Phoenix the beginning of May? Ooh. We're doing... You're not going to have time for that, Beauregard. Well, we're, we're playing uh, in to, May, to I think we're we'll playing a house show. <laughs> April 27th. Oh, April 27th is the latest thing we have right now. Oh. In town. So what he's trying to get at is his sister-in-law's getting married that weekend. Uh, he's going to be there for like four days, and he's trying to <laughs> get a show, a show. with you guys, too. <laughs> hey, let How us know. we do this? You fly us out to Hawaii. <laughs> put us up at this nice place I hear you have. Sarah can come, too, and cook if she wants to. <laughs> and uh, and then we'll, we'll play a little private show for you. <laughs> Deal. On the lanai. It'll be great. It's It'll beautiful. be hot. It's been recorded. It's legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Or if they need a a, a band for the wedding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we do play weddings of our mentors. <laughs> That's perfect. It's perfect. It'll be great. I'm ordained. I'll <coughs> I'll do the fi- the photographs for it, and I'll marry them. They can play. I'm not seeing a problem. It's the perfect scene wedding. <laughs> and then I now pronounce I your husband and wife. Now let's take weddings. a selfie. <laughs> and that's how it goes. oh man um all right good segue let's bring it back in yeah so i was kind of wondering for me there's always like the certain bands that kind of make you who you are like you always go through your period especially like with the alternative music scene and for Bo, he was more of the punk kid and I was the rock opera. Like, I wanted my chem when they were more rock opera style. Green Day, more rock opera style. I, I, I need that extra emotion because I'm a chick and I have extra emotion. Um, but what? You, it, you go to emo night. I don't. I've never been, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but what kind of bands kind of drew you in? What kind of bands made you want to play music? What did you just like? still listen to uh me it's it's less i guess like scene bands because when i first started playing music i was really into like deftones and system of a down and like new metal was very big in early 2000 and uh, that's what made me realize like you really didn't have to have very much talent just like know how to structure a song um and you don't have to be a good looking guy either so i'm like those are both pluses i can do this um but when it comes to like actually playing the style that we're playing it was bands like Alexis on Fire, Poison the Well, Oof. and uh, Zayo. Those were all huge bands for me. And then, and then as we got into doing what American Standards is doing, things like um, Every Time I Die and Dillinger Escape Plan and Norma Jean, those were all types of bands that I, I think kind of heavily influenced us and um, at least kind of led me th- down this path. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, musically, it's, I, 
it, I think me and Brandon basically have the same answer because <laughs> uh, the the first band that really got me into music and stuff like that um, was The Offspring, and then I slowly transitioned more into my own music. So I started listening to like Linkin Park and Corn and System of a Down a lot, um, and then the bands that really made me sit back and go, I want to be in a band is bands like Mailing and the Sons of Disaster that was a big one um, when I got to listen to The Big Dirty by Every Time I Die I wanted to do that uh, and Norma Jean as a whole that, those were the, the three big things that made me want to the crazy thing is like all the list to luckily now all these bands are like doing their 10 year anniversary tours and somehow we like luck out and actually get on a lot of these so all these bands that we used to go to the shows when the albums first came out now we're like actually playing the 10 year anniversary shows of it and it's it's absolutely nuts to us it's like ridiculous that we even get to do that yeah actually i wanted to bring that up because that it's you guys have opened up for some pretty epic bands um and like you're saying, like the ten-year reunion shows and are really starting to come in. Um, so, who have been some of the bands that, like, not only have totally rocked your faces off, but just are super cool people that <clears throat> that you've that you've experienced? I think the one that, like, the story we always tell about this is probably every time I die. Um, because I know we all share that as being one of the huge influential bands for us. And I think every time we get put on one of these shows, we always like have this vision in our mind that we're going to like meet the band and then we're going to be like, yeah, let's go back to the bar and have some beers and we're going to be becoming best friends and they're going to be like, let's <laughs> tour together. And then we ride off into the sunset on like unicorns. But normally most of that doesn't happen. Um, with Every Time I Die, it was really cool because before the show, we actually we went to a bar and you know Keith was there drinking, and we got to hang out there for a bit, and then we went to the show, and uh, Keith actually picked up a, a vinyl from us, and um, their guitarist, Andy, picked up a, a shirt. While they were on stage, they gave us a call out, and then afterwards, they asked us to come back to their hotel bar, and we just drank at the hotel bar with them. So it was just this like perfect like scenario. Um, just most down-to-earth guys. They even gave us uh, an album. They had the Salem EP that hadn't even came out yet, and they gave us that at the show before it had come out. So it's just really, really cool guys. And 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 normally, like I said, it's not like that. Um, Emory was another good example. We played the Emory 10-year show, and they invited us back on their tour bus and had some beers. And one of our friends was just uh, a little a little further on how many beers he had had at the time and he, he was a huge Emory fan so while we were sitting in the bus talking to the guys he's like hitting on the doors and like trying to get in and they're like does, <laughs> does your friend want to come in and I'm like if you'll let him in he can come in you know so they're like yeah invite him up so he gets on the bus he like stumbles around he sits down he grabs an acoustic guitar that's hanging on the on the bus or whatever and then starts playing an Emory song on the acoustic guitar it's like gosh you're embarrassing for me in front of all my friends, Matthew <laughs> Lopez. Man, that's some rock I and roll actually, lifestyle right there. I, I went to that show in Portland, too, and it's, like, <laughs> the second show of the tour, and they had just gotten that bus. And so they were, like, the whole before the show, they were all, like, all you could hear was, like, drills and hammers because they were still trying to get everything, like, yeah. built on the bus. But that was the day I cut my finger at work. Oh, shit. Not the meat slicer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a meat slicer, and I was cutting prosciutto. Thank you. Pretty sure a knife is also a meat slicer. <laughs> it's a blade. It's a circle blade. I like hearing about bands being, like, super cool off stage, And every time I die, it seems like they're just all super awesome, chill dudes. So that's, that makes me happy to hear because those guys are awesome and cool to have that experience with them. He's Legend's really cool, too. We've done a lot of shows with them, too. Yeah. Like, Five shows with the Legend. An Islander. 
<laughs> Islanders. Islander, me and there's. Oh, I feel like a jerk now. There's what's their singer's name again, Corey? Of Islander. Okay, well, anyway, I was talking to their singer for like an hour about Disneyland because he loves Disney just as much as I do, and that was super awesome. An unhealthy amount. Yeah, <laughs> for real. He on the flight to Portland for this tour. Steve was checking the line times for Disneyland as if, as if he was going to be like, oh, look, it's only a 20-minute line. I'm just going to get off here. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Peter Pan only had a 35-minute wait, which is, like, insane. <laughs> okay. How far is Disneyland from Phoenix? I'm terrible with geography. About five or six hours, depending how fast you drive. Oh, that's not so he's bad. there in like totally three, waiting in line for Peter Pan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. <laughs> Dude, I went there um, a couple of years ago for it was my brother-in-law's uh, 30th birthday, and we went to Disneyland and California Adventure. And I hadn't been in probably like 15 years. And it was so, although I was really bummed because Indiana Jones was closed. Oh, that no, that's like the best one. Forward to. Ah, yeah. But I got to go on Space Mountain, which is nice. the best. Yeah, still yeah. haven't been there. Really? Never? Never. Wow. It's fun. I've heard. <laughs> That's what it's so for. I have an annual pass. I've had it for two years now. So I, I've gone like, I think last year I went, what, like 15 times? <laughs> Something stupid <laughs> like that. Like, so, you know, it was a good time. So what's your you got to make that there. pass worth What's it? your jam? Can you uh, edit that part out? I don't want to look all nerdy on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, American Standards has gone to Disneyland 15 times. <laughs> Steven's gone. On Rolling Stone. <laughs> favorite ride? Um, I'm going to have to throw in either Space Mountain is a good one, or another complete opposite would be the Winnie the Pooh ride. <laughs> <laughs> is that the because which one's the I'm Winnie the Pooh? I'm a huge. One? It's in the back corner by Critter Country, <laughs> uh, right by Splash Mountain. Yeah, you just sit in a honeypot. <laughs> uh, but I'm a really big fan of Winnie the Pooh. Um, besides that, obviously, Haunted Mansion's a big one. Have you seen the trailer for the new Winnie the Pooh movie? I have. Oh, it looks so good. so good. Bo, did you see the trailer for the new Winnie the Pooh movie? I did. It definitely gi- gives me the feels. All the feels. It reminds me of, like, Hook, but with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't. I think the guy that does his voice. <laughs> the guy that does his voice. Yeah. Is doing <laughs> the <laughs> voice. <laughs> that's who does it. Good thinking. All right, Bogart, you got any more actual questions? Uh, a few, a few. Um, so we'll talk about. So you guys are on tour currently, yeah? Yeah, we are. What? Where did you start, and where are you ending? Oh uh, well, we flew up to Took the private jet to Portland. Of course, the private jet, obviously. Took the PJ to Stumptown, and then uh, from there we uh, we jumped in the the minivan, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we uh, played the first show in Salem. Uh, from there we drove. You know what? You know Salem from all the witch trials. Yeah, Salem, Oregon. You know. People got pissed when you made that joke. Yeah, they got mad. <laughs> they didn't take kindly. They did not like that. That one lady did they not. You not from around here. She she <laughs> like she made it a point to say it into the microphone. That you got it wrong. Oh, did she? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah, but um, so because uh, you were too busy, baby bird, or, like mother bird feeding oh pizza. God. This is maybe <laughs> the worst thing I've ever done at a live show in my entire <laughs> life. There was a lot of drunk people at this show, and I was up on a table screaming, 
and a girl because it was a place that had pizza a girl took her pizza and shoved it in my face so naturally i ate the slice of pizza but it was an entire slice in one bite so i'm chewing and chewing i'm trying to chew fast enough so i can scream the next part but between me getting on the stage and chewing this pizza a guy ran up to the front and started pointing at his mouth for me to baby bird him an entire slice of pizza from the stage into his mouth so i naturally you gotta get the crowd what they want because i'm a crowd pleaser so i then went forth with the baby birding of an entire half chewed slice of pizza into a a grown man's mouth (laughs) and it wasn't really gross for me but i felt bad for him that would happen in Salem. Like Salem is the place where dreams go to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's horrible. I've lived there. I've. It's terrible. Not by choice. I was a kid. They dragged oh. me, kicking and screaming. What's the thought process of like that dude? He's like, not only am I enjoying this show so much, but I'm a little hungry. What's the most efficient way that I could satisfy those needs? <laughs> the thought process was alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> That was the entire thought process. Was booze. Was rubbing alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Lots of drinks. So, from Salem. We didn't finish. Salem to to (laughs) Kennewick. And then Kennewick, we went to Tacoma. And then Tacoma, we did uh, Seattle, right? Yeah. And now we're here. So, Kennewick was at the bike shop? No, that was Tacoma. Oh, okay, okay. What was Kennewick one? Kennewick was the, like... Old veterans. Oh, we played at a VFW, (laughs) uh, which is actually for some reason VFWs have always been pretty popular for like hardcore bands and for heavy shows. So it's this weird dichotomy of like all these people that just came there to drink cheap because they're in the war and now they're like eighty, and then (laughs) and then you know a bunch of kids that come in there to to get rowdy. So there's one guy that wasn't having it, and the band we're on tour with is absolutely nuts. Like. It, they, we've just been like chasing each other to oblivion like trying to outdo each other and there's this one guy that was just there to drink and he was probably like i don't know at least 50 or 60 and uh taylor the singer of six house mustache walked over to him and was screaming in his face and noticed he wasn't you know kind of reciprocating the energy so <laughs> he had the crowd carry the guy on stage and said you need to make it up to me so, what do you think this guy did that's 60 years old that's not here to see his hardcore show? Punch he pulls down face. his pants. <laughs> he pulls down his pants and he shows his ass to the crowd. <laughs> so, uh, And then after that, we proceeded that show with playing in a bike shop, a bicycle shop. Yeah, in Tacoma. That was cool. And it was a great show. There was a dog there. So, that was cool. That would have been right up your alley, Bo James. I know. Bikes, dogs, hardcore, pff, game on. <laughs> what am I doing over here? Shit. Making terrible decisions. <laughs> Apparently. Um, so where are you guys going after after tonight? After tonight, uh, tomorrow we're playing Medford. Uh, oh, cool. So, so just four hours south of here. So that's Steak Sauce Mustache's old, uh, their old stomping grounds, the hometown, base ah. camp, HQ, the nest. <laughs> <laughs> the nest. <laughs> I couldn't think of any others. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> and then uh and then is the tour over or is it was it just kinda like a northwest run or 
Yeah, we're just uh, Steak Sauce kind of just, I mean, we were going back and forth with them for a while, uh, just talking and trying to figure stuff out. And uh, they had this run of shows coming up, and they're going out for, geez, I believe a month. And they just asked us to jump on as much as many shows as we could. And we just, the, this first leg of their run, we, we decided to, to hop on. Cool. That's awesome. Been um, fun. So do you guys do, you said that you got kind of invited on this tour, but you guys do basically all like your own booking and basically do most of the stuff yourself, right? Yeah, this is actually the first tour that we've ever done where I personally didn't book, you know, 95% of the shows. Um, so it, it's been it's been interesting because Brett from Steak Sauce, it's still a DIY tour, but Brett from Steak Sauce booked most shows. So we just were showing up, playing the shows and hanging out and it's great it's very low stress um, normally when it's DIY booking it's me talking to a million people and responding to a million emails and, and everything else that's awesome yeah I gotta give you guys props holding down that hardcore DIY like ethos cause it seems like everything you do you guys have done yourself and you're gonna keep doing yourself like between you know not only just making music but like getting it out there and sending it off and handwriting lyrics on albums and booking and whatnot. so that how are you finding time to like do all that and still make kick-ass music um i i mean at least for me i, I think i just try to think of the time that i would spend uh doing non-productive stuff and that's when i do it so the time spent staring at your phone and just looking at your news feed or or playing some phone app and i, I don't really like game or anything else or really watch a lot of tv so so i i take all that time and do it to something where i feel more productive about and i i think the cool thing about it is us doing it ourselves like we know if we get any success or anything that we get is like a result of the work that we put into it or if we if we fail and fall on our faces we know it's because something that we did as well so we don't have anybody else to blame for our success or our failure other than ourselves which is kind of a cool feeling yeah it yeah, kind of holds us accountable awesome that's a very like humble approach to it which is great <laughs> everyone's music scene is pretty different how would you kind of explain like what the phoenix scene was like say 10 years to now 10 years ago to now-ish good question wow <laughs> <There's> <laughs> the stumper. i'd say 10 years ago uh, if you want to do the math on that that would have been uh I, 2008 mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i've been out of high school for three years i still had a scene haircut you still do? I still had the sweep, the swoop with the dyed black hair for a little while. The swoop. Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like back then it was almost more like you didn't know if there was a show going on or not, but you just still hung out with your friends. Like, in this, uh, I worded that weird. Like, let's say, like, there was, a, there was a venue called Metal D, and it was like, oh, there's a band playing. I'm just going to go and hang out because I know my friends are going to be there, type of thing. Where nowadays everyone's like, well, I'm just going to look on Facebook and see if there's a show or not and, and not really care as much as like back then where it'd be like yeah. whether whether I knew the band playing or not or if it was my friend's band I was like oh did you hear Joe Schmo's playing tonight yeah let's just go hang out and say what's up type of thing so yeah we were talking about this the other day and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because I feel like now obviously there's things like the Facebook algorithm and, and Instagram and everything else so it's, it's hard to know that something's going on if you're not already in that loop that where it's feeding you and showing you that but also at the same time it's really easy to make the excuse of instead of spending money and my time and going out of my way to go to a show i'll just stay home and talk to my friends online or, or watch a video of it you know so it's it's the community 
Um, it doesn't feel as close-knit. It feels much more divided than it did 10 or 15 years ago. I, I think it's really interesting that MySpace was kind of responsible for bringing about social media, but in a way it brought more of us together even though it brought other companies up to kind of tear us apart in a way like oh i'll just talk to them on facebook instead of actually hanging out with them but that's how i found out about all the bands that's how i found out about the shows new venues or if a venue was closing like there was no algorithms trying to figure out what i wanted i was able to find what i wanted and i think that was a big deal like we had a local venue in town that was um where tom fest was i don't know if you guys know what that was but it was a music festival that was um up here it was the other music festival so it was all the alternative bands like emory with headline or um as i lay dying like it's awesome. So there's an indoor stage, and the rest of the year it was just a venue and then also a church. Just random. Um, <laughs> but that's where everyone was. Like, you were always there. And Portland, I mean, the scene's really been dying out for a long time. So for us to have good shows is just really difficult and has been for like 10 or 15 years because most of the theaters have closed down. But some of them are reopening now. So we had the Paris Theater. And that was like an awesome venue, I thought. And then they closed it down and turned it into an anime porn place for like 15 years. Cool. And now it's back. <laughs> but You know, I think the sad thing about it, too, is it almost it, it's a constant like deterioration where one thing feeds the other and it, it keeps getting worse because as less and less people go to shows, then bands stop taking risks on touring as much um, or playing certain cities. And then venues, as a result, have to close down because mm -hmm. they're not having consi uh, consistent shows with good turnouts. So it all kind of feeds each other where it's, it's just going down and down. And um, I mean, that's why some of the best shows that we play aren't at venues anymore. Some of the best shows we play are like random shows, like the roller skating rink we played at last night where we played in the middle of a roller skating rink. <laughs> and it was a bunch of metal bands, and there was a couple hundred people there, and it was just the most fun you could ever had. Or or playing in a bicycle shop or a house show. Like Those shows like still have that community vibe um, that a lot of times venues don't. Mm -hmm. So It almost seems like that... that uh that's starting to come back. There's like a revival in the small, intimate shows, uh, like the roller skating dirt. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> kind of jumping off of that, would how are you guys like with Facebook and social media and all that jazz? How are you when you go to a new city, like a city either that you haven't been to or one that you know you haven't been to in a while? How are you essentially getting the word out that you guys are coming? Is it because you obviously don't have like a street team to canvas the neighborhood before you show up? So what what are your approaches to kind of let you know a city know that you're coming or reach out to people within that city yeah it's we're, we're still kind of one of the few bands that are doing a mixture of both so we actually do kind of do a little bit of the street team type stuff where we still print flyers and like we give people incentives like you know t-shirts and cds and things like that to pass out flyers and put up posters because since not, not a lot of bands are doing that anymore it's not as saturated and it means a little bit more when you've got that face-to-face -face or you've got like a physical copy of something um, but but when it comes to social media, it's really tough because we, we started off, you know, seven years ago on, on Facebook and we had a couple hundred people, but we had a lot of inter engagement and interaction on the Facebook. Now we've got 60 or 70,000 people that follow us and we're lucky if a hundred people see our post. And, and now that we're much bigger and we've been playing um, bigger in, in terms of like we've been playing shows all around the United States, if we're playing a show in, for example, tonight, Portland, and we post it to our 70,000 people on Facebook, 
a hundred people will see it and the majority of that hundred if not none of those hundred will be in portland so what we have to do is we have to get clever and when we talk to our the promoters we have to talk about okay if you're going to pay us x amount of money for this show let's buffer in an extra you know 20 to 50 dollars and then do facebook promotion which it's kind of a, a grimy feeling to have to pay to get to people that have already liked your page um but there's almost no other way and then we also try to stay on top of new apps like i mean there's an app called vero right now which is essentially if myspace uh crossbred with like instagram and it doesn't have an algorithm and so we try to stay on top of those because we find in smaller communities it's easier to make an impact than in a place like facebook where it's you get lost yeah i like again you're kind of adapting to how the 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 world is changing in music and whatnot, and and narrowing in your approach when you can. That's a. I'm glad to hear you still have a street team because I remember when I was like in high school and whatnot. Like it was so cool to be on a street team and like to help out the band and promote what you could. And yeah, I, I didn't kind of hear, but you don't. I haven't really heard about them in a while. So how how can people jump on your street team should they want to? Yeah. So normally when we do um, shows out of town, especially in places that we haven't played, um, it, we'll just post online or we'll you know. The Facebook groups, we kind of leverage those a lot. We also have a newsletter. Um, so through all those types of things, we'll say, all right, we need certain people in these places to help us out, and here's what we can do for you. Um, so if you go on any of our social media or um, you'll find our email on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you can always contact us through there, and we can get you all set up. Sweet. Well, if you need a street team rapper in Hawaii, I got you, fam. Yes. I got you. <laughs> well, we'll be at your place soon enough, and, and Sarah will be cooking as well, so we'll be good. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh Sarah, you got you got any you got some more stuffs? Well we're hitting like fifty minutes, so I don't wanna hold them captive in my room all day. Yeah. I'm getting I'm sweating pretty hard in here, so we should probably Oh well let's sit for another half an hour. You guys got another half an hour? Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, it's awful. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to add and probably the most important thing about about American standards is Corey drinks barbecue sauce and <laughs> He he calls it spicy soup. <laughs> That's red, not like red, red. Oh, uh, so, so what is it? No, no, no. What is it? What do they call it? This like like, uh, yeah, Frank's red. So there's two sauce. types. Sauce. Yeah, <laughs> there's two types of soup in Corey's house. One is barbecue sauce, and the other is Frank's red hot. And you call it spicy soup. Spicy soup. That's a vegan <laughs> thing, apparently. <laughs> I feel uh, fancy. Thanks for well sitting down with Sarah and awkwardly skyping with me. It has been a pleasure, sir. I am. Yeah, you I have you my are my part of the circle. Uh, we put you on the floor with us. And we're all awkwardly staring at a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're talking, you look at that. I've been doing that the whole time. You need to get an avatar. <laughs> like well, a profile I wanted, picture on it. I asked Sarah to print out a picture of me and post <laughs> oh, it on there the you picture, go. but she didn't have time for that. Ah. She's making tacos. I, I had to make tacos. <laughs> it was tacos or a picture of Bo. <laughs> yeah, you guys show up for lunch and it's like, guys, I don't have tacos. But check, check out, out this picture. picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, cool. Well, um, yeah. We'll, we'll Did you guys have up. any like um, social medias or anything you want to share with the world? We're on everything. We're on it all. Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, uh, Live Journal. Uh, <laughs> Zanga. <laughs> what Do was people that still Live Journal? Is that still a thing? No, I. Corey does. While he drinks spicy <laughs> soup. <laughs> <laughs> March 31st. <laughs> Just finished off some spicy soup. <laughs> <laughs> For those still listening to this long ass episode, you can find us on Twitter 
at Seen It All Pod because characters are limited. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Seen It All Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a delightful day. Yeah, and thanks, guys. Thanks again. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for hanging out awkwardly while none of our stuff worked like every episode we ever record. (laughs) I just went back for like my fourth plate of tacos. (laughs) I feel great.